Let me start with a statement. Real faith is unwavering. Real faith is unwavering. What does that mean? It means that when you believe something, when you deeply believe something, then no matter what happens, and no matter what happens in the world, it does not change your belief. Now, this can be a good and bad thing, right? Real faith is unwavering, can be a good and bad thing. Um, when you're young, if your mother thought you could be the prime minister of our country, then no matter what happened, no matter what anyone would say, her mind just would not be changed. I'm talking about my mother. My mother really, and even today, if, if I was to run for prime minister, she would be like, I told you so. Right? Now, depending on what it is that you have faith in, right? It can be a good thing, it can be a positive thing, but it can also be pure stubbornness for something ridiculous like me becoming prime minister. Okay, it's, it's just not going to happen, right? Real faith is unwavering, but depending on what it is that you have faith in, it can be really positive, really life-giving, or it can lead to stubbornness and destruction. This is what we call the faith effect. Real faith is unwavering. Real faith stays steady. Now, we've been in a series called People of Faith, and we've been looking at characters in the Bible who showed extraordinary faith. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at Abraham. Last week, we looked at David defeating Goliath. And today, we're going to meet a man named Daniel. Now, who's Daniel? Daniel was an Israelite at a time where Israel had been taken over by a neighboring enemy country called Babylon. And because Babylon was now in control of Israel, they took Israel's brightest men and took them to Babylon to serve their king. And Daniel was one of them. Earlier in the book of Daniel, we see that Daniel, not just was he a bright young man, but he was one of the brightest. He was one of the brightest of his class, to the point where the Babylonian king promoted Daniel to some very high and influential positions. But you've got to remember, Daniel is not a free man. He's still a slave serving the enemy's, uh, enemy country's king. So today, when we get to today's passage in Daniel 6, it's a passage that we, we know very well. It's, it's titled, Daniel and the Lions, right? And, and if you've been going to church for a while, you already know this. But once again, I want to go through the passage, and I want you to hear the passage for what the Bible says. And we're going to go through this, okay? Daniel chapter, one, verse, uh, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. It pleased Darius, who was the king, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. 
So this, this king has the whole country that he's governing, and he, and he assigns 120 governors of the country. And to help manage even the 120 governors, he sets three administrators to look after their territories, and, and one of them is Daniel. But not only is Daniel one of the three, he's actually the best out of those three. And so the king wants to promote him to look after the whole country. This is really important to know because Daniel, you've you got to know how bright Daniel was. right? He wasn't just, wow, he's really smart. He went to selective school. He's like, he could be the prime minister of this country kind of, you know, right? But the problem is this, with exceptional ability comes oppositions. Verse 4 and 5, at this the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was a trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has to do something uh, it has something to do with the law of his God. Now, as we know, right, and, and we live in Australia, one of the biggest issues we have is tall poppy syndrome. When someone gets good, we don't celebrate that. We don't, we don't try to all get better, right? What do Aussies do? We just try to chop them down, right? You come back to where we are, right? But that's exactly what's happening, right? They were so jealous. These other administrators and the other governors were so jealous, they wanted to bring Daniel down, yet they could not. Once again, something that we learn about Daniel is not only is he really bright and smart, but he's a man of integrity, the highest integrity, to the point where they could not find anything, they could not find any dirt on Daniel. So what did they do? They set a trap. Verse 6. So the administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except for you, your majesty, should be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. So these guys, they can't find fault with Daniel. So what do they do? They set a trap. They know Daniel. They know who Daniel worships. And they set a trap and they, they say, look, they go to the king altogether. Hey, king, you're so amazing. Right, you hear the manipulation. King, you're so awesome. You know what? Everyone in the country should just pray to you. So let's set a law. 30 days, no one prays to anyone else except you because you're the king. You're the best, right? And this king, sadly, is foolish. He's foolish and he's human to be like, oh, I am the king. I am pretty awesome. Okay, then, 30 days, no prayers to anyone else but me. I'm the king, right? And so what does he do? He puts the law in writing. Now, this is going to become an issue for Daniel because Daniel was a man of God. He, had, he was consistent and he had integrity. And the law now said that anyone who would pray to anyone except the king would be thrown to the lion's den. So what would Daniel do? Verse 10. 
Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So the new law comes in. It's made public. You pray to anyone except the king. What happens? You're going to be thrown into the lion's den. What does Daniel do? Just as he had done before, he gets, he goes up to his house, opens the windows towards Jerusalem, and he prays. This, my friends, is what faith, uh, what unwavering faith looks like. Because of Daniel's belief, his deep belief that regardless of any human law, more important than what humans were putting uh, around him, Honoring God was more important. And it's amazing, right? You go, wow, Daniel, that's so noble. That's so awesome. And it's amazing to see. But the reality is, is sometimes when we stand up for things that we believe, it doesn't actually mean it goes well for us. Verse 11. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the lion's den? And the king answered, yes, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Aha! Trap set. Trap taken. Verse 14, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every, and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went, to, went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty... That according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. So Daniel, because he continued to pray to God because of his faith, is trapped is captured, and because of the foolishness and selfishness of the king that was manipulated by the enemies, the king has no choice. He has no choice but to throw Daniel into the lion's den. Verse 17, A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating or without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you, can, who you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? 
right? These kings really interesting, and we're not going to spend too much time on the king. But the king, even though the king did not worship the same God that Daniel worshipped, he loved Daniel. He was, Daniel was one of his right-hand men. And it was in his foolishness that he had to obey his own law, the stupid law that he got manipulated to putting in, throws Daniel in there, and he's like devastated. So he can't sleep that night. So what does he do? First thing in the morning, he rushes out, and he's like, please, please, please. Did your God save you? Verse 21, Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Miraculously, Daniel is still alive and he declares to the king that it was God that shut the mouths of the lions. Now, I found a picture that uh, exactly what happened that night uh, from one of the oldest books of the internet. That's exactly what happened that night when Daniel got thrown in. Okay, you got to use your imagination. Okay, he was having a great time with the lions. You know, they had a great talk about what's going on upstairs. You know, what's happening in the world. Right. Verse 23, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to, to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who falsely accused Daniel were brought in and they were thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to, the, uh, to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius, the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Now, once again, we, we, we look at the king. All right. Sorry, I'll finish the story, right? So Daniel's like, king, I'm good. King's like, great, let's get him out of here. They lift Daniel out, and he's like, who are those guys that manipulated me? They try to kill you. Let's get them. Okay, let's put their wives and kids in there too, and they die. But it's the king's response after this. Remember, this is the king of an enemy nation. This nation does not worship Yahweh, the king of the Israelites. But if you read what the king is saying, he ends up worshipping God. He sees Daniel, he sees the power of God, and, and he sees the, the power of the faith that Daniel had that saved him, and he himself starts to honour Yahweh, God of Israel. This non-Israelite king goes out of his way to exalt and recognize that Daniel's God is real. And he worships him. And that's the end of the story. Right? So what do we take away from this story? And I think there's two questions that we need to ask ourselves. Firstly, 
How's your faith? How's your faith? Is your faith so real that it's unwavering? And the second question is, is your God so real that your faith is unwavering? And I think it's something that's really important for us to understand because the, 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 the opening statement still stands. Real faith is unwavering. If you really believe something, it doesn't matter what it is in life. No matter what happens, that stays the same. Real belief says that whatever comes my way, my faith does not change. My actions do not change. Why? Because I'm completely sold out to what it is that I believe. But the variable in this equation is this. Is God so real in your life that there is nothing that would change or make, your, make you change your faith? Is God so present in your day-to-day life that you have no choice but to declare that He is real and that He is present? Let me use an example. Our Cambodia team came back a week ago. A week ago? A bit over a week ago? Oh, seems so long ago now. And when you go away on missions, if you've ever gone away to missions before, or when you go away to camp, one of the things that happens is you become more saturated with God. It's just a very natural thing, right? If you, you know, you talk to the guys who went to missions, right? None of them came back questioning whether God was real. Why? Because while they're on missions, they are saturated in the presence of God. God is all around them in everything that they do. You know, they're getting up and they're praying together. They get, they're, they're, they're doing ministry together. They're, they're, they're loving on these kids. They're serving the missionaries there. God is just present. That's just something that you experience while you're on missions. Same thing when you're at camp. You know, God is just more actively working in those places. None of them questioned whether God was real. And none of them came back with a wavering faith. No one comes back from a mission and goes, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if God really exists. I'm not sure if God really loves me. Why? Because they got to experience God. They got to experience God on a daily basis in all of their moments. None of the team returned from Cambodia swayed about their belief. Why? Because God was real. God is real. Friends, our faith should not change when our situation and circumstance change for the good or for the bad. Why? Because God has not changed. God is still the same God The same God that created the heavens and the earth, right? And this goes back to, once again, defining what it is that we believe. If we believe Scripture, if we believe the Bible, which says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, not some mysterious, you know, random, you know, event that happened. If we really believe what Bible says, that the same God that created the heavens and the earth many years ago is the same God that exists now. God is still the same. And if God is still the same, and if that's something that we truly and deeply believe, then no matter what happens in our day-to-day life, 
Our faith in God should not change. The same God that Daniel prayed to three times a day is the same God that saved him from the lions, is the same God that dwells with us today, is the same God that will be with you in your time of need. God does not change. And when we believe that, and when God is near us, and we get to experience that on a day-to-day basis, then our faith grows, becomes stronger. And I'm not saying that everyone here has a faith that is deep, and, and, and it's like no matter what happens, you know, our faith doesn't change. No, we are a community that has the whole range of faith, Right? Some of us, we're like Daniel. I've met people like Daniel, right? That are like, it doesn't matter what happens. God is my God. I just keep going, right? And then I meet people that, you know, believe, uh, stop believing, or we're going to throw you into the lion's den. Okay. I don't like lions. You know, I don't want to die. And I want to be very real about that. Right? Because the last thing that I want is for you to think, man, like, I'm so weak. Like, you know, a little bit of persecution, a little bit of oppression, and I'm like, ah, the sun is so nice today. The beach is calling. Do I go to church or not? Ah." And obviously, you're all here. So well done to you all. We're We're not talking about you. We're talking about everyone who's at the beach today, right? Lord, save them from the sharks, you know. But that's the reality. It's not a comparison of your faith versus my faith. Together, collectively, we're trying to encourage and grow our faith together. That's why we go to camp together. That's why we come to church together, right? The reality is we need to grow in our faith. We need to get to a point where our faith is unwavering. So how do we do that? Two things to finish up. Number one, intimacy and proximity. Daniel prayed three times a day. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but you've got to understand, remember who Daniel is, right? Daniel is a slave, right? But Daniel is one of the three administrators in in this country. He is a busy person. He is a very busy person. And yet, and yet, he made time every single day to spend with God. Man, I've heard it all. How's your prayer life? Oh, man, I'm so busy, Pastor Steve. I don't have time to pray. Can I tell you? I know that for many of you, you are busy, right? I love it. I love it when anyone in their 20s tells me that they're too busy, right? I love it when uni students tell me that they're too busy, right? And I'm like, busy with what? Sleeping in? Facebook? Instagram? What are Jokes. I'm not judging you, right? I'm not judging you. But I'm just saying, do any of you have five children? Okay? Now, I'm just saying, right, I moved house yesterday. I'm so tired right now. I don't, like, I started writing my sermon, and I, re- I was reviewing it, and I started writing David. David and the lion's den. <laughs> I started confusing it with last week's sermon, right? Now, 
I'm not saying let's compare our busyness. But can I just tell you my experience? I'm pretty busy, right? But the realization, the reality for me was this, Lord, I've got so much going on right now that if I'm not spending time with you, I don't have the strength to get through this. I don't have the energy to actually manage what I manage. So I actually need to prioritize you because I can't do this. And can I tell you, I I joke about my five kids. I love my five kids, but I promise you, it is not humanly possible to raise five children without the grace of God. Amen. The only other idiot that's got five kids in the room just happens to be my wife, right? My goodness. Oh, I can't. This week, it is so real. I cannot live. You know, people say you're so busy that you don't have time to pray. It's actually you're so busy that you need to pray. Daniel knew this. Daniel knew this. That if he was going to do what God wanted him to do, the first and foremost, he needed God. The problem is for us, right, we're all like, I want an unwavering faith. I want to be strong. You know, we, we sang the song, I want to build my life on the rock. And we don't spend time building on the rock. We don't spend time with God. We don't spend time with Him. We don't grow intimate with Him. We don't, you know, we don't draw close to Him. And yet we're like, oh God, I need you, God. I, I, where are you, God? doesn't make sense. The first thing we need to understand is if we want to grow our faith, is you need to spend time with God. Right? This is not super spiritual. Like if it's your first time at church, don't be like, oh my God, this is an amazing concept. I'm not, I'm like, I was trying to think about what is the most, the, the most simplest thing that, that I can compare it with. It's exercise. I want to become fit. I want to become healthy. Right? I can say that a hundred times, and I promise you by saying a hundred times, it does not happen. Right? Proximity. Go to the gym. Go away from Donut King. A very simple concept, right? It's in the Bible. Right? If you want to grow these areas of your life, you need to go towards them. You need to invest into them. Simple stuff. But the question that comes out of this is, what is close to you then? What do you spend the most of your week doing? It's pretty, like, like this is not some like crazy concept, right? Who you hang around, what you hang around, what you end up doing, what you invest into, that's what you're going to actually end up. But if it's faith that you want, if it's God that you want, then you need to move towards Him. Daniel prayed three times a day, even when the law changed and his life was threatened, that did not change. Why? Because what was going to save Daniel? What was going to save Daniel in that law? The king? Even the king couldn't save Daniel. What was going to save Daniel? God. Intimacy and proximity. We need to create an intimate relationship with Him. The closer we come to Him, the more real He becomes. 
I'll, I'll put a challenge there. Pray three times a day this week. And then tell me next week how you feel about God. I promise you, it changes. Real simple, right? You could challenge me. Go to the gym three times this week. You will physically feel better as well, unless I go to Donut King, which is in the same building as my gym. (laughs) It's a very real battle inside. Number one, if you want to grow unwavering faith, intimacy and proximity. Number two, same thing, right? This is not a super spiritual concept. Consistency. Daniel prayed, even in the face of persecution, three times again. And, 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 and here's the phrase. Here's the phrase that really pulls it all together. He did what he had been doing his whole life. Rain, hail, or shine. No matter what happened. Someone put a gun to his head. He still did it. Consistency. Once again, let's use exercise, right? Turn up consistently. I had a funny conversation with someone at our church. I'm not going to say who it was. But I met him at a gym. The best gym in Stratfield. And I hadn't seen him at church for a while. And he hadn't seen me at the gym for a very long while. And so we, we, you know, we saw each other. It was very nice. And, and as I said, he'd been a bit flaky coming to church. I'd been a bit flaky going to the gym. And he was like, oh, you know, you're trying to encourage me to go. And I was trying to encourage him to go to church. <laughs> We're just trying to encourage each other, you know. And he said this thing. He goes, you know, I guess, you know, you just, you just got to turn up. And I was like, yeah, you just got to turn up. <laughs> right? It's consistency. That leads to intimacy, that leads to greater faith. We always talk about faith, it doesn't happen overnight. Your faith doesn't suddenly go from zero to a hundred, it takes time, it takes intention, it takes decisions, it takes very purposeful, you know, scheduling. doesn't happen overnight but if you want it then you build it day by day consistently because here's the bottom line the same God that Daniel prayed to three times a day the same God that saved him from the lions is the same God that dwells with you and I here right now and is the same God that will be with you in your time of need. God has not changed. So, what do you want to do? When I was a younger preacher, I used to feel a very heavy burden When I used to come and preach, I used to be like, man, I need to preach so well that people will change and their lives will be transformed, right? And so I used to like 
You know, I used to pray. I used to be like, God, you need to change him. God, you know, give me the good words. Give me, you know, prepare well and everything like that, right? And, and my burden, you know, for, for a congregation, whoever I was preaching to was there. Something that I learned over the years as I grew is, yes, the burden is still there. My heart is definitely that you would choose God. But actually, the responsibility is not mine. Actually, the responsibility is yours. I cannot make decision for you. That's your choice. And that's the beauty of God. God will not make a decision for you, for you to choose God, for you to be led by God. That's up to you. And I don't think God is a dictator, you know, like trying to whip us all into... I think God is very open and he's very gentle. And he's saying, look, if this is what you want, then you are free to come. So now when I sleep on a Saturday night, I pray for you. I pray for the service. And I ask that God, that God would show up and become more real in your life. And then I just sleep. And whoever turns up, turns up. Whatever the sermon's like, is whatever the sermon's like. And then I go home and I get to enjoy time with my family and friends. And that's the decision that I've made. But the question is, what about you? Now, for some of you, you might be in a time of need. For some of you, you might be in a time of transition. For some of you, you might be in a time of, you know, what we call mountaintop. You're just experiencing greatness on greatness, right? But some of you might be in the valley. Some of you might be in a a season of transition. The question is, what will you do today? Who will you draw close to today? Is it God? Great. Is it not God? Well, you might want to think about that. You might want to think about where that path leads. But when we choose God, we allow God to fight our battles. We allow God to lead us and guide us, no matter what happens. And you might not be going through trouble, but you will. And during that time, will your faith be unwavering? Will you be strong enough? Will your faith be strong enough to go through some tough stuff. I'll finish with this. I had a phone call this week, and it's a phone call that um, I know is a part of um, my role as a pastor, but I got a phone call from uh, an old acquaintance of mine who uh, experienced some tragedy uh, in their family. Um, they, They were struggling to have a baby, and they had a baby, praise the Lord, and they wanted another one, and they're struggling. And then they, uh, wife got pregnant, and 22 weeks in, um, you know, found out that the baby had severe brain um, issues, and the baby was just not going to make it. And he called me, and I haven't talked to him for a while. And he said, I just need to talk to a pastor about what's going on. It was, it's, it's one of the more heavier conversations that we have in our lives. 
And I'm in the middle of Daniel, and, I, and I'm just thinking about Daniel, and I'm just thinking about, man, like, you know, we, like we, we tell it like a story as if it's like a kid's story, right? But, but we really think about it like the law changed, and he had a choice to either honor God and die, or reject God and live. And he made that choice. And I was talking to this, this friend of mine, and it was the same choice. You can accept that this is God's will, and you can believe that God is still with you, or you can reject him and try to work it out and try to make sense of it on your own. And he said, I can't. I said, well, how are you going to get through this? Friends, when you choose God, when you choose to have faith in God, he will be there. He will be there. And it's not the ending that you may or may not want. And we're going to talk about this next week because the last three stories, we've talked about people with faith and God saved them and then God saved them and then God saved them. Next week, God doesn't save them. But does that mean God was not there? Does that mean God's not in control? He's not. Friends, we need God more than we think. But it's that faith that we need to grow that becomes unwavering. I pray that for you, each of you, that you would grow that faith, intimacy and consistency in your life. God will be there. He is there. Let's pray.